listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to PTCE's Pharmacy Connect, a podcast focused on continuing education created by pharmacists for pharmacists. PTCE is the leader in pharmacy and managed care education. In these episodes, listeners will be presented with the most recent clinical updates and strategies for implementing into practice. And now, here's our host and founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Todd Yuri. The role of pharmacy is evolving. We see more and more pharmacists getting involved in specialty care, um, remote patient monitoring, technology, pharmacogenomics, Dermatology. Uh, today, uh, examining patient burden in atopic dermatitis. We're going to be talking with two pharmacists that are going to bring this to light, understanding treatment barriers and optimal use of OTC skincare products. Um, I'm excited to be a part of this. We've appreciated PTCE Pharmacy Connect uh, for some time now, delivering great uh, content uh, developed by pharmacists for pharmacists. My name is Todd Yuri, founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We have uh, two guests, as I said, and I'm excited to introduce uh, Dr. Mary Barna uh, Bridgman, who's a clinical professor at Ernest Mario School of Pharmacy from Rutgers, uh, the State um, University of New Jersey in Piscataway, New Jersey, um, an internal medicine and clinical pharmacist um, at Robert Wood Johnson University. Hospital in New Brunswick in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Um, excited to have you uh, join us on PTCE Pharmacy Connect. Thank you so much for being here, Mary. Thank you, Todd. I'm excited to be here to, to discuss the patient and caregiver burden of atopic dermatitis. I'm pleased to introduce to you our faculty for this activity, Dr. Ashley Ellis, who is a National Eczema Association Ambassador and Global Parents for Eczema Research Volunteer Caregiver Mentor, Impact Director and Assistant Professor at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center in the Department of Clinical Pharmacy and Translational Science at the College of Pharmacy in Memphis, Tennessee. Ashley will discuss patient barriers that impact optimal treatment of patients with atopic dermatitis who are seeking over-the-counter care and strategies to individualize patient care and improve recommendations for atopic dermatitis. Ashley, I know the topic of atopic dermatitis is particularly important to you personally. Can you let our audience know a little bit more about that and about your experiences with this condition? Yeah, thank you so much for having me here today and um, letting me ha have the opportunity to talk about atopic dermatitis and eczema. So um, my oldest child, Hadley, she's 12 now, um, she has had severe atopic dermatitis since she was four months old. And so as a pharmacist um, and a caregiver and a mom, we, we've really struggled to control those symptoms, to find the right treatments for her. Um, and dermatitis wasn't necessarily my area that I studied or that I practiced in. It was just part of what I learned overall. But um, that's helped me um, because of seeking those treatments to learn more about atopic dermatitis and become more integrated within the eczema community as a volunteer, an advocate, and a caregiver mentor. 
Ashley, that's wonderful. You know, we know personal experience with conditions can certainly change our perspective. And it sounds like that has been the case um, with your daughter and, and with your family's experience. Can we start off by hearing more about your family's atopic dermatitis journey and specifically the role of over-the-counter medications that you sort of touched on a little bit? I think especially as a pharmacist, what was your experience like both in discovering the condition and also in accessing medications and treatments? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, so Hadley, like I said, she was diagnosed when she was four months old. It just kind of started with um, some redness. And of course, when they're babies, they can't talk about the itching or what's bothering them. But around those folds in the skin, in kind of the chin area, ankles, behind the knees, some red patches um, around the face, like where um, the baby drools, that kind of thing. And so um, this is pretty typical in babies this age. So we're going to the pediatrician. What do you think this is? And first time parents, first baby. So with that, you know, I read everything and I'm worried about everything <laughs> like you do. Um, but the pediatrician was like, first line, we do moisturizer um, twice daily. And that's correct. You know, that's that's what the the guidelines, the international guidelines recommend. And so um, we were using like a typical baby lotion and we switched to an eczema moisturizer um, and if, if you've never used one of those before, it's, it's much thicker. It's more like a sunscreen type of a thing. And it doesn't absorb into the skin as quickly as what you may be used to. So that was kind of a, a learning experience, a learning curve for me. Um, and in atopic dermatitis, that is what is recommended as the baseline because the primary dysfunction there is the functional barrier of the skin to hold in its own moisture. That was something that I, I learned about. And I'm oh, okay. And so the American Academy of Dermatology, Atopic Dermatitis Clinical Guidelines, and the International Guidelines both agree on liberal application of moisturizer on the lesional skin. So that's the, the part where you can see the redness, as well as the non-lesional skin. In the best case scenario, we want to do twice daily, but once daily can also be beneficial. Um, and with that being the primary um treatment for mild eczema. So, you know, in the beginning, that's kind of what you're seeing. But for a lot of kids or adults, moisturizer is enough. But um, when prescription therapy is needed, you also need to continue for, for patients that have atopic dermatitis, continue the moisturizer therapy. Um, and like I said, that's because the skin has more a more difficult time retaining moisture than people who do not have eczema. So going back to what you said, as far as difficulty. Um, I, I find it difficult to, let's say, wash my face every night, take my makeup off. It's just a, that same skincare routine for all of us. So if you can imagine a child, now my child's 12. Um, did you put your lotion on? And she's going to say yes, because avoiding that and that moisturizer like gets on your clothes, it can get in your hair, it can get on your sheets and that kind of thing. Um, and I would say, this is not a statistic in the literature, but most people I know with eczema have difficulty adhering to this routine strictly. And and we see that with all kinds of treatments. Um, as far as other medications that are over the counter, there are some um, low potency and low percentage uh, steroids. And so that was our next step with Hadley. 
Um, and that's the next step in the guidelines that I was referring to. So hydrocortisone is what we have in the United States. That's the only, uh, only option that we have, but it is available in the cream and as an ointment type of a thing um, that you can apply to the lesional areas or the red itchy areas. And for some people, that's enough. You want to use that um, for the smallest area possible and the shortest amount of time possible. So for pharmacists out there, if you're getting questions about that, it can be really effective. But we we always think of um, what are the side effects? And you're going to have parents being very concerned when you hear the word steroid. It can be pretty scary. Um, so things like skin thinning, hypopigmentation, skin atrophy. Um, and they can be more pronounced in young children. They can be more pronounced in children or people of color. So make sure that we're thinking about that. And if that's not working, then that's the time we need to um, refer to a provider. Um, and again, there are a lot of patients that it, I would say it kind of goes back and forth as far as perception and the same from um from parents and we we have um some research out there that shows this um worry about side effects from these drugs for parents is one of the main reasons for non-adherence to topical corticosteroids because they sound scary it can be up to 46 percent um and that was this particular study was was published in pediatric dermatology but um the other thing that comes up a lot is that it doesn't seem like it's working. And that's because this is a chronic condition that is difficult to manage. So, I mean, those would be some of my comments about what we've got available over the counter. Ashley, it sounds so challenging. You know, as pharmacists, we often don't have the opportunity to hear how conditions like atopic dermatitis affect both the patient as well as their families or caregivers. Thank you so much for sharing your daughter's journey with this condition and these experiences that I think we can all learn from, uh, especially in, in realizing some of these challenges. I'm wondering if you can describe your family's experiences with the healthcare system and how those experiences have shaped your perspectives on some of these challenges patients with atopic dermatitis may face when accessing over-the-counter and other treatments. Yeah, so specifically with, with our case, with Hadley, um, the over-the-counter medications were not enough. And um, we ended up going to seven different providers. Some of them, we drove, you know, three hours to each appointment. I, it, you really get to a certain point of desperation where you'll pay any kind of money or, you know, we've all had friends online being like, this helped me, or what do you think about that? Probiotics. Uh, I mean, you, you name it, like you get to the point where even as a pharmacist, I would try anything to make it go away or diets. Um, and in the eczema community, there is, a, I would say, a vulnerable population to um, non-evidence-based recommendations because it seems like nothing's working. And at the time, she was born in 2011, and there's not been much research or many new drugs on the market. And so especially for pediatric patients, we were really in a limbo there for a while. So when we finally found the, on the seventh doctor, we, we got to a provider that really helped us. Um, we ended up having to do, we were at systemic therapy. Um, I was very, I'll tell, I was very resistant to that at, as a pharmacist. I did not want to do that. I asked 
everybody, like nurses, physicians, people at pharmacists I worked with, would you put your child on methotrexate? And every single person said no. But at the end of the day, my child was, her quality of life was, was terrible. She had infections in her lymph nodes, in her scalp. Um, I mean, you, you name it. So, and it ended up affecting her mental health. She ended up having like panic attacks and things like that. So we did it. And, um, but I wanted to go the other route. Like I tried to get her into clinical trials for some of the biologics like dupilumab. And um, those trials were closing because we're very close to being on the market, but it wasn't approved for her age. And so we were able to do FDA compassionate care. I would have to call out here that for a provider to do that, that's unreimbursed time. So not all providers do that. We had to work with a university and she was able to be on that. Once it was approved for her age group, then her insurance company didn't want to cover it because it worked, right? So her body surface area was not enough and she hadn't filled enough medium to high potency topical steroids within the last year for what they would say would qualify. And so all of the, I'm saying all of that to say, like navigating that healthcare system and that health literacy part is a lot for someone who's not trained in the healthcare field. Um, for for patients and caregivers, like unlike my family who maybe have a less severe case, the things that that we've already mentioned, like moisturizer being the the key for treatment or these over the counter drugs. If you think about, I need to do this twice a day, and I really need an eczema moisturizer that's available over the counter. Um, that's not covered on your insurance. Maybe you could use your HSA card, but um, you know that's a lot of money that you're having to spend. I mean. So when I would buy like Vanny cream, for instance, I would need to buy, and they're they're close to $20 where I live for um, one of those pots. I would need to buy like four of those a month. Not every family can buy that, and that's your bedrock of treatment. And so, you know, I kind of pulled some literature about that as well. Most state Medicaid plans do not cover this. However, I think that's, that's an area for us as pharmacists and advocacy that we can work on, and there are some... Um, I'd say some history we could draw on during the, the Zika virus outbreak. Um, we have insect repellents that have been covered for patients who are Medicaid beneficiaries. So being that this is, um, this is not a cosmetic, this is what is needed because of the pathophysiology of the disease state. I think that um, educating patients and healthcare professionals advocating for coverage is really important. It's so interesting to learn about the challenges with adherence and with treatment persistence due to that lack of perceived patient benefit with regards to their symptoms. And I also can't help but to reflect on, on your remarks on the mental health burden that a dermatologic condition like, uh, like atopic dermatitis can be associated with. Ashley, I want to pivot just for um, a little bit and, you know, want to ask you what you shared seems to not be uncommon for many families living with atopic dermatitis. Uh, and one thing that we do hear from eczema caregivers is with regard to the financial burden. And I think you touched on this just a little bit, um, but I want to ask, how has your daughter's atopic dermatitis impacted your family financially? Mm. I mean, that, that's a really good question. Um, our particular family, like especially during 
the time that it was, I would say we were in a low when it was less controlled. It, it definitely affected my, what job I chose. I needed to have some more flexibility so I could take Hadley to all the different appointments. That is not uncommon in the eczema caregiver community that one parent stops working. And if you think about that um, financial impact, it also, one of the statistics when I first started working on this um, that blew my mind is it impacts parents um, decision to have another child. Now for me, I already had a second child by the time it really got bad with Hadley. So it was like kind of boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it really happened so quickly, but those kind of things are so big. My other two children do not have eczema, um, which is kind of consistent. It's more common in your first child, but it, it is so, it affects the other siblings. I'll say that. So it, it affects them that like they, during that time, they thought I spent more time with her and that kind of thing. And as far as, um, of course, we've got these specialist appointments. And if I were to, if I were not able to have the skills to navigate getting that medication for her, she, she is going to have to be on a biologic probably the rest of her life. So it, it would be, you know, in the tens of thousands of dollars per year. And it most likely will be for the rest of her life. And so I would say one thing that comes to my mind is that my child will need to work for a company in the U.S. healthcare system right now, unless something majorly changed. She needs to work for a large company or a large organization that has really good benefits. And I've worked on this other side too, where you look at which one of my employees is spending the most money. Um, and so she will most likely not be able to be an entrepreneur. Like she loves art and drama and that kind of thing. That could not probably be her full-time job. Um, and I don't know that most people think about their 12-year-olds like that. Think about their um, benefits package. <laughs> and, you know, it's so that's a lot to think about um, with eczema. What an incredible impact on finances. Thank you for for really kind of bringing to light some of these issues that I don't think are are necessarily obvious on the surface when we read about the guidelines and recommendations for management. Uh, so many collateral aspects of one's life that, that you really touched on that can be uh, impacted by this condition. I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners a little bit more about the self-care practices and non-drug approaches. Again, we touched on this a little bit, but just to hear more about some of the self-care strategies that patients and caregivers with eczema may engage in and that as pharmacists, we might encounter or receive questions about. Sure. Yes, this this can definitely come up um, and patients may hear something from National Eczema Association, or they may hear another patient is trying this, so they may ask pharmacist best practices with it. So should I bathe my child, my baby, or should I take a bath every single day or not? And um, patients will hear things in in both camps. And so as we talked about at the very beginning, the, the primary patho of this disease state is not being able to retain the skin's own moisture or water. And so the best practices are to, or in what's recommended from National Eczema Association, take your shower or take your bath and you want the water to be lukewarm, not hot. If you can't, you know, 
not scalding hot. And so as soon as you get out of the water, pat the skin dry and then moisturize within three minutes. So that really helps to retain the moisture from the actual bath into the skin. And um, you could do that twice a day if you're having flare-ups. That would be a, a good way to have external moisture and um, to make sure that that we're having that. So really kind of spacing out those baths is not um, as common. Some providers do recommend bleach baths, which would be like, and and some some parents, that sounds scary, but that's like a cap of bleach into the bath water. So it's not as much. Um, and it, it's like very similar to, um, chlorine in swimming. So that, that can be recommended as well. And at the time when you are moisturizing, that's the time that you would apply, um, your topical steroid as well, whether that be over the counter or the prescription, if they have that. Great recommendations, great, great strategy and review of some of these options. Um, I know it is evident from your remarks and your experiences that you've shared that atopic dermatitis is really a difficult condition for the whole family. It sounds like your other children, and it, it's really been a, a family effort um, in, in helping manage your daughter's condition. What are your thoughts about what it might be like for your daughter to have access to care as she grows into adulthood? Uh, I know you touched a little bit about insurance considerations and even employment considerations um, for your daughter as she grows up. I, I just want to kind of personify and, and uh, understand more how pharmacists and providers can support a patient like her even better. That's a great question. Um I think understanding the neurological basis of the itch pathway is so important. That was something I don't know that maybe I learned it in pharmacy school, but it, it came back to me as I was learning more about atopic dermatitis, because a lot of what you'll hear is stop scratching, stop scratching, stop scratching. Um, and people, of course, you want to say that because it breaks the skin and then we get infections and then we, you know, all this other kind of stuff that, that is associated with it. Um, however, it's very similar. The neurological pathway is attempting to soothe the itch. And so the itch is part of the disease and it's just very cyclical. So if you kind of think about it like um, a hot stove that you're pulling your hand away from, it's something that the child or the teenager or the adult can't really help. It's something for a certain amount. Now, there's ways that we can try to reduce the damage to the skin. So alternate behaviors. So could you put ice on that? Could you pat the area? Could you rub the area? There's things like that. But saying things like don't scratch is not helpful. Um, it is almost like a trigger to me, especially when other people say it to my child. Um, because they have a chronic disease. Now, it's like saying to someone with ADHD, like, just pay attention. Um, I wish I could. So. Um, that would be one thing. And I would say that um, giving as much autonomy to that person that has the chronic disease as possible. So at 12, you know, we are dealing with a National Eczema Association is so great with this. Um, Global Parents with Eczema Association um, for research is also great. But I went to Eczema Expo. Hadley went to the things for kids and I went to the things for parents. But I went to, to things to learn about like makeup and eczema or dating with eczema 
And I mean, she's very interested in that. Or like, what kind of products are great for your hair? What worked for you? How to exercise with eczema? It's like, there are times where she gets like too hot in PE class. How do you talk about that without feeling weird? Um, But it's her skin. So at times, I if I did her lotion and I did her all of the stuff on her skin, it would probably look great if I took 100% of control of that. But that's not the relationship I want to have with my daughter. And it's not reasonable. So it's her eczema. And there's times where she's just like, I'm too tired to do my lotion and it's getting on my nerves. And I have to be okay with that. Just like we would be with our patients. What is a reasonable adherence rate? And for, I mean, we really accept around 80%, 85%. And I have to accept that with my child. Um, and so I hope that we can learn more about it. And, and the other thing I would say is to make sure that your provider is well aware of the shared decision-making because some of these, like some of the topicals are great, but they burn or some of them are great, but they mess your hair up. And maybe that's really important to a 13 year old um, or, you know, a 25 year old. I don't know. You need to listen to what the patient and the mother sleep is another one that's really, really important. So maybe I need something extra at night. So make sure that everybody's on the same page and is listening to you. And if you're not feeling listened to, there are other providers, even though that that can be exhausting. So as a pharmacist, what I would say is um, make the, if you can, make the patient feel listened to and let them know that they're not alone. Ashley, such important points about shared decision making and and even about, you know, population considerations, just, you know, in a in a 12-year-old and thinking about, you know, skin and and hygiene practices. I think you also offered some really great tips and recommendations about addressing the itch that's associated with atopic dermatitis as well. And I appreciate those remarks. I want to ask as a mother and as a pharmacist, what would you say is the single most important takeaway for pharmacists who are listening today? I would say um, atopic dermatitis is is very common. Um, and I think that we can offer a lot over the counter. Um, we can offer a listening ear. Um, if it seems like it's more, if it if the things over the counter are not helping as much, of course we can refer. But if I could give like one piece of advice of things to say or to not say, um, very much like diabetes or hypertension or any other chronic disease, um, a lot of what I get back with Hadley, for instance, is we'll maybe show out, grow it, um, or maybe it'll go away. And some of those type of comments that really are to make us feel more comfortable and not the other person. And this is very common in skin conditions, right? And so I would just do your best to listen and just try to make the patient or the person in front of us feel comfortable instead of making more dismissive comments um, to the patient or to the caregiver, because it just is what it is. Like there's nothing... There's nothing that we can do about it being so visible and being on our skin, but we're living with it. We're doing our best and we're trying to thrive with it. And so um, recognize that, recognize what it is and and for, for not for everybody did they outgrow it. 
Excellent advice. You know, it's really clear that atopic dermatitis has the potential to have significant impacts uh, in so many aspects of a patient's life that I I really think your remarks today have helped to uh, bring a light to, bring a face or a, 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 you know, voice to. Um, And it really sounds like, to your point, this is much more than quote unquote, just a skin condition that Mm -hmm. there are so many considerations with regard to financial burden, just with regards to the application of some of the products and the the self-care strategies that you alluded to. Uh, I I think really, I appreciate so much your remarks and for bringing a a light and a perspective to atopic dermatitis that I think as pharmacists, we can really internalize and think about that next time someone asks us about an anti-itch cream or a a topical preparation for for their condition. So thank you again for for all your, your experiences today that you've shared with us uh, for sharing your thoughts on how we can improve the quality of care that our patients with atopic dermatitis receive. It's really been a pleasure in speaking with you and in learning more about your daughter and your family's journey in living with this condition. Thank you for all you do in advocating for atopic dermatitis and for sharing some of the resources. I think those were some great tips with regards to some resources and and special things available uh, from the, uh, I think it was the National Eczema Association that you had mentioned. Yes, yes. And um, Global... Parents for Eczema Research has um, free parent mentoring, and I am a mentor for that as well. So if anyone's interested in either one of those, please visit their websites. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we hope everyone enjoys the rest of their day. Thank you, Mary. Thanks for tuning in to the PTCE Pharmacy Connect podcast. Your feedback is important to us. Please share with us your thoughts on this episode and other topics you'd like to learn about go to pharmacytimes.org forward slash contact and send us a message.